0: This is The Sue Freeze Show, the pursuit of passion, purpose, and connection. We can the world. We can the world. Now, here's Sue Freeze.
1: Thank you so much for joining The Sue Freeze Show. The Sue Free Show, and I'm so happy to be with you today. And sometimes I listen to this show and I... It's really interesting because when I'm on the air or before I get on the air, I pray about, Lord, what do you want the message to be today? And lessons that I'm learning, things that I'm going through myself, I feel it's a good place for me uh, to share because it's things that I'm actually going through, and I feel like there's more passion and more feeling, and it's real. It's real beyond real because I am going through these things myself. So with that being said, um, when I'm listening, sometimes I'm going, wow, wow. I needed to hear that and I'm the one saying it so it's pretty interesting and I just know it's when the Holy Spirit decides to show up and uh, take over and it's really a good thing He's much better at all this than I am anyway. So I'm just really thrilled. I'm thrilled beyond thrilled that you're listening to the show. And you might be a new listener or you might be um, a listener that's been listening for a long time. This show's been on for 11 years. I know. Crazy, right? 11 years. I just can't even believe 11 years has passed. And as we get older, I remember my mother saying that, gosh, you know, every year it just seems like it goes faster and faster and faster. And there's truth to that, really. There, There really is. So we're going to talk about uh, daily hope. We all need that, don't we? Uh, Punishment and discipline. And there is a difference. And we're talking about this. And this was by Rick Warren. And I love sharing his things because I think it's, well, it's something that I'm dealing with, obviously. Um, But also, I just love the way he puts things because it's a perspective that it just, um, it's real. And I like the real part of it. So, correct your children while there is still hope. Do not let them destroy themselves. If you love somebody, you're going to care enough to correct that person. Hebrews 10.6 says, The Lord corrects the people he loves and disciplines those he calls his own. That applies to all of us, doesn't it? There are no perfect children. And look, adults, we're just grown up, hopefully grown up children, right? We're still children, just in grown up bodies sometimes. And so understand that there is no perfect person on this earth they need discipline accountability and training just as God disciplines us because he loves us we should do the same for our children now parents I have a daughter who has two little ones and they're very little okay little granddaughters and I watch her I watch her with her friends I see other parents and their parenting styles and one thing that I get repeatedly now as a grandma and even before because I seem to be everybody's adopted mom, uh, what I would notice is that it was just very difficult to discipline. And what I tell people, for me, myself, is, is that, you know, it's much easier when they're little to discipline than waiting till they're older to try to get them in line because it's just harder. And as an, uh, an adult and as an owner of a business now who manages many people, um, I'm finding that, you know, the same rules somewhat apply in the workplace. So I always do this parallel between what I'm learning personally and what I'm learning in the business world and how they, they really go together. And I find that in the business world, side note, that if I don't hold people accountable, they go awry, and it's not good for us it's not good for them and it's not good for the company and it's definitely not good for the other culture people in my organization it's really important that there's a check and balance and when things aren't checked and balanced whether it's personal or at business what happens is the boundaries are they're they're not tight enough to where you feel secure and i think we need to feel that security and how do you do that so parents i want to just let you know that You're not being a bad parent when you discipline, and they might not like it. Just like I don't like it when God is disciplining me. I don't like it, but I know it's for my own good. Maybe they don't. Your children, maybe they don't know it's for their own good. But down the road, someday, they're going to realize just how much you loved them. Not because of how many hugs, although that's wonderful, and little love notes and making their peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, but because you love them enough to say no. You love them enough to say that's not the best for you or, you know, table manners or just anything it is, just understanding the rules of life. It's a good thing, parents. And I want to just encourage you to not feel bad, but to understand that you're training them up so that your life will be easier, their life will be easier. And when you're not there to help them make those decisions, you've got the confidence that you've taught them right from wrong. And that they're going to make the right decision. Not always, nor do we, right? But but a lot more than not. And that's going to help them in their lives as they move forward. Thank you, Jesus, for that. This is the Sue Free Show. Sue Free, spelt like fries, one word, dot com. I'd love for you to go there. Go to the website. Please, please, please go to the website and check it out. There are 11 years of podcasts. There are subject matters, people that I've interviewed, uh, just little golden nuggets throughout everything. And I would love to just have you share that with other people also. Uh, Also, let people know about Facebook Live. I'm on Facebook Live and I switch back between two different uh, Facebook pages. One is Susan Freeze. And one is Sue Free Show, and one is uh, a fan page where you can never exceed your limit of people. And Susan Freeze, I think I maxed out it. I think it's five thousand. So if you can't get on the Susan Freeze Facebook, go to Sue Free Show, and you'll definitely be able to get on there. And I'd love to have you be be uh, connected with me when you go there if you have any issues if you want prayer anything like that I would love to help you with that Um, just no one reads it but me send me a note and let me know what's going on let me know what's going on I'd love to connect with you okay so back to this if you are a believer God does not punish you because all your sin was paid for on the cross God doesn't have to punish you because Jesus took that punishment. God does not punish Christians for their sins, but he does discipline them. There's a big difference between punishment and sin. The purpose of punishment is to inflict penalty. The purpose of discipline is to promote growth. Isn't that lovely? Isn't that so wonderful? I love that. The focus of punishment is on the past. What you've done wrong. The focus of discipline is on the future. What can you be? What what you can be? What you can be? Think about that for a second. Yeah. I don't want to punish, but I do want to help people focus on what they could be. And I think it's really great when our heart is in alignment with what God wants for each individual person. See, it says in the Bible that God created us, right? He knew every hair on our head before we came out of the womb. He knew every word before we spoke it. He knows all that. How important are you that he knows all of that? So how invested is he in your 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 future, you know, like what he wants for your life. He created you for a specific purpose. Are you living that? The attitude behind punishment is anger. The attitude behind discipline is love. All right, well, we already know which one's better, don't we? Right? And see, we can't change our past, can we? We can't, we can't go back and redo whatever we did wrong. That's an impossible task unless you have a time machine, which I don't believe we do. So what can we do? We learn from our past. We bring it forward and, you know, ask for forgiveness if we need to, accept responsibility for wrong choices. But then we need to move forward, learn from it, and grow from it so that we can make a different decision, go a different direction, or maybe just help our brother out or our child out. Do we want our children to go through the same things that we went through? Well, yes and no. I think sometimes, well, most times, when we go through things, we learn from them and we grow. And in our growth, it causes us to be stronger. So there is a plus to this. And the reason I bring this up, parents, is sometimes we can protect too much. We can protect too much. And I think sometimes we need to let our children go through whatever it is they need to go through. My mother used to say, Susie, you are going to make choices every minute of your life and you will suffer the consequences or reap the rewards. And I'll never forget her saying that because it's so true. And no one can take my punishment. It's mine. It doesn't mean that my decisions don't affect negative or positively other people. Did you hear that? Because it does. Our choices affect other people. There's a ripple effect. And we need to make sure that when we make these decisions, that they're, they're ones that we're not going to regret later. Now, we won't live our life with no regrets, I don't think. But we could focus, as my daughter, Tiana, says, I want to live my life with no regrets. Side note, this weekend I, I had a, a couple of friends come over, Craig and Donna, they're friends from uh, Salem Communications, and I've known them for a while, and I invited them to my lake house, and we went on the golf cart and drove around to uh, the houses and looked at them, and, and then I invited them to go garage selling with me, because garage selling is something I really enjoy doing, and really it's being a good steward, because I can get things for a lot less money. And, yeah, there is a lot of junk for sure. But, you know, one person's junk is another person's treasure. And somebody getting rid of something doesn't mean that somebody else doesn't need or want it. So it's really important. And, you know, it's funny because, um, you know, these things, they're they are trying to get rid of it. They do not want to put that stuff back in their garage. So how much for that that uh, Tupperware there full of Christmas stuff? Oh, $5, you know. Or how much is that table? You know, it's just it's amazing how much you can get for very little and uh, Donna and Craig, and Craig's like, oh, brother, do I really want to do this? And Donna's like, come on, come on. And so they went and they had a great time. We just had lunch and, and they were talking about that. During this time, there was an estate sale where there was an elderly lady that died. And uh, so her family members were left behind to take care of all of the collection of all those years of this woman. And when you walk into the house, which I did, uh, outside there was a lot of really pretty crystal and a lot of really nice things and Christmas things. It was just really fun and, and everything. And then I go inside and many angels, you could tell she was you know, a believer. Uh, her house just felt good inside. The spirit was really good. And I went into this one room where there was a printer. And next to the printer were these two pieces of paper and I wasn't trying to be nosy, but I saw December 2017, and then I and then I saw the first line, and it just says, this is my final letter, my final letter to my family. And I couldn't help myself. I'm getting choked up. But I couldn't help myself because I read the first paragraph, and I thought, I really, should I be reading this? And then I thought, there's a reason why I'm supposed to read this. And so I read it. And... The basis of this letter was to tell the people that she loved, how much she loved them, of course, because isn't that what we want our family and friends to know, that we love them? But also she said, you know, I have this one gold necklace. I'd like so-and-so to have it. Um, my All of my angels, I would like to give them to so-and-so. Unless she doesn't want them, then just do what you want with them. And it was like listening to what was important, she started saying, I really wish I would have had more time with each and every one of you. And I wish I would have taken the time to just be present. And then she said, I really, really regret how many stupid, stupid arguments our family would have over the silliest of things. That we wasted so much time on these silly things that really, in the grand scheme, don't matter. And I continued to read as tears were coming down my face, because I'm thinking to myself, man, I don't want that to be me writing a letter like that. I definitely don't. And for all the elderly people, she talked about how isolated she felt, that she felt so alone in this big house. You know, and uh, I just thought to myself, how many others are out there right now feeling like this? And my heart just hurt. My heart hurt. This weekend, I'm I'm going to a celebration of life for a friend of mine, Larry Winter, who died way too young, and such a heart for people. He would call, and there was just strings of people stating that they that Larry would touch base with them and ask how they're doing, and it was just uh, wonderful to see all that, and I was one of those. He would call and check up, and he was always such an encourager, and he told me I was encouraged him, but really he encouraged me. He has a daughter named Charlie, and I've met Charlie and hung around Charlie and Larry um, different times, and he was a dancer. His wife died about five or six years ago of cancer, and Charlie was fairly young, and now Charlie is in her freshman year in college. So now she's left with no mom, and six years later, no dad. And for all of us out there that have their moms or have their dads or have a grandma, how thankful should we be and where are we spending our time? And are we saying enough? Are we hugging enough? Are we doing enough to show that love? Is there a is there a person that's just really feeling lonely and we're not reaching out? This is a call out to you because it was definitely a pull on my heart that I'm not doing enough. No matter how much we do, it seems like, is it enough? I don't know. I also was with my girlfriend, Lisa. It's her birthday today. Hi, Lisa. She's probably listening. And uh, last week, I went up to see her, and her dog's 19 years old, little Fanny, and her dog was having seizures, and Lisa was having such a hard time because she just lost her mom. And Fanny was the last, really, thing that Lisa had that was part of mom. So it was really hard for her to let this dog go. But this dog was really having a hard time, and blind, and having these seizures, and So finally, I just said, Lisa, it's time. We've got to find a vet, and we've got to take care of this. So we went to a vet. And I was going to leave on Tuesday, and we ended up doing this on Wednesday. And uh, it's funny about Lisa. She's kind of parallels my life, or I parallel her life. And whatever happens to her seems to happen to me, whether it's a flood or a broken garbage disposal or having to put a dog down because I'm right behind her here on this one. And so we went to the vet and I'm holding the dog. She goes out to have a cigarette, which she's trying to quit. She will quit in Jesus name. And um, they called her name and I said, no, it's not me. Let me go get my friend. And so I called Lisa. She didn't even get to have a puff, which is okay with me. (laughs) And she came in and she had to go in. And I thought, do I go in with her or do I let her go in with the doctor by herself? And I don't know. I just felt it was better that she went in by herself. So she did. And she was in there a long time because she was going through the whole thing because she wanted to make sure that she wasn't doing the wrong thing. She wanted to make sure that she wasn't, wasn't doing the wrong thing. And uh, so she had to have that doctor tell her what she would do if it was her dog. And the doctor said, I would, I would put the dog down. And, and so then the nurse came out, the doctor came out with the dog, and I said, what's going on? And she goes, she's decided to, to uh, let the dog go go today and I said okay I said can I go in she said yes so I went in and I was with Lisa when they did the first injection and she was holding the dog and and then they did the second injection and I just heard Lisa say go see mom and it was very sweet so all of you dog lovers out there it's really amazing how we take on this dog knowing we're going to outlive them and we're going to have to go through this isn't it but it's worth it at least to most dog lovers <laughs> it's worth it anyway Life goes on, doesn't it? It's what we're making of it. It's what we're doing with it and how we're touching people day to day. And this this discipline thing is so important because discipline comes from disciple. And disciple is teaching. We're teaching. We're coaching. And that's what we need to do. We need to stand alongside. We need to coach and encourage. It's what we're called to do. We need to be doing this all the time. Sometimes it's not easy, is it? God doesn't want you to punish your kids. He wants you to discipline them. In fact, when you correct in anger, it always produces one thing, resentment. What God says to do is to correct while looking forward to future, making sure the mistake won't be repeated. Focusing on the future is redemptive, not destructive. The Bible says in Proverbs nineteen eighteen, correct your children while there's still hope. Do not let them destroy themselves. You are setting your kids up for failure if you don't correct them. So there's there's your open uh, agreement and open realm that you can go ahead and you need to do this and you're doing the right thing. So parents, do the right thing and discipline your children. You're doing it with love. It means don't get mad, don't be angry. It's like with my dog sometimes, I just wanna like, oh! I get so angry when my dog does something silly. but I also know that if I don't I have to be careful because my dog's small and I just don't want to hurt the dog so I have to make sure that I'm not angry so that I can discipline not in anger and our children are the same way is that you know we're not supposed to hurt our children we're not supposed to hurt our dogs we need to discipline them but we don't need to hurt them so just understand that there is a difference So I hope that this has been helpful, and I hope that you've uh, gained something. I have pages and pages here, and I've only went through the first page, not even flipped it. So that's pretty amazing, isn't it, that all of that happened? Okay, I'm just going to read this. It's from uh, Jesus Calling, Sarah Young. Beware of seeing yourself through other people's eyes. There are several dangers in this practice. First of all, it is nearly impossible to discern what others actually think of you. Moreover, their views are of you are variable, subject to each viewer's spiritual, emotional, and physical condition. Isn't that the truth? The major problem with letting others define you is that it borders on idolatry. Your concern to please others dampens your desire to please me, your creator. See, this is from the Lord. He's talking. It is much more real to see yourself through my eyes, God's eyes. My gaze upon you is steady and sure, untainted by sin. Through my eyes, you can you can see yourself as one who is deeply, eternally loved. Rest in my loving gaze, and you will receive deep peace. Respond to my loving presence by worshiping me in spirit and in truth. And without faith, it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him that's hebrews eleven six. last one yet a time is coming and has now come when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth for they are the kind of worshipers the father seeks god is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth john four twenty 24. isn't that good we, we cannot compare ourselves with others, and everybody's going through their own glasses. They have their own belief systems. So you can't rely on that for your own good. You need to rely on God. Be a blessing to someone, and we will be back with more of the Sufri's show right after this brief break. Have you noticed more insects or rodents in your yard? Or maybe in your home? Warmer weather means it's mating season. Pests hate that we make our service so affordable. Don't let insects and rodents move in. Call E.C.O.L.A. now, 877-332-BUGS. That's 877-332-BUGS. Or online at termitelady.com. E.C.O.L.A., powerful termite and pest control. As gentle as a butterfly. E.C.O.L.A.,
0: 877-332-BUGS, termitelady.com. What would you do if your two-year-old child simply stopped breathing? The day businesswoman and author Sue Fries discovered her son had developed life-threatening asthma, her life changed forever, sending her on a path of learning, discovery, and environmental activism. Sue's book, Learning to Breathe, chronicles her amazing life-and-death battle for her son Tyson's life a how-to manual for parents of children with asthma, revealing the secret causes, surprising cures, and the untold truth about harmful indoor allergens. Written with the passion of a loving mother, wisdom of a successful businesswoman, and deep spiritual devotion, Learning to Breathe is a hero's journey for the parent in all of us. If your child suffers from asthma, this must-read book could save your child's life. Learning to Breathe by author Sue Freeze, available on Amazon, or log on to suefreeze.com com That's Sue, F-R-I-E-S.com. You're listening to The Sue Freeze Show, the pursuit of passion, purpose, and connection. And here again is Sue Freeze.
1: Thank you so much, Ecola Termite and Pest Control Services, for sponsoring this show. And if you'd like to sponsor this show, I would love, love, love to talk with you. I have been advertising for many, many years, uh, about 40, actually, on the radio. And I know quite a bit of, you know, the do's and don'ts and what works and what doesn't. And I'd love to help you. Now, because this show is syndicated, it goes from San Diego to San Luis Obispo. It goes both secular and uh, Christian. I can I can help you. I can help you with this. And all I need you to do is um, contact me by going to Sue Freeze, spelt like fries, one word.com. Go there and tell me what it is you're thinking about and what you're what the possibilities are and maybe not just you know I mean if you want to check it out this is a great place to do it you can sponsor the show and uh you can learn the ins and outs and you know if you're a business and you're only in San Diego that's fine we can do that that means you would be on uh KPRZ in San Diego and we could we could just talk about that and figure out your your area your demographics and your geographic so uh we can do that so thank you so much And, um, learning to breathe was a book I wrote when I had an accident and that was in 2011 and I got thrown off a horse and I am a competitive dancer. I used to uh, do a lot of water skiing, um, slalom skiing on the course and a lot of other things that rely on my legs. And I used to be a gymnast. So, I mean, I just, I'm very athletic and I love doing anything and everything like that. I'm not a spectator i'm not a good spectator i like to be doing not watching anyway with all that being said when i had this injury uh they had to put my leg back together again i had a metal plate 10 pins and i had to lay there lay there because i couldn't put any weight on my leg i was in a wheelchair and so i had time to write a book called learning to breathe the book is a journey between my son tyson and i when he's a chronic asthmatic and i just talk about the life that we led for uh, all those, that time, um, what I had to do to learn how to minimize his triggers. I learned a lot about asthma. I learned a lot about different things, which kind of incorporates E.C.O.L.A. because E.C.O.L.A. is an alternative and traditional treatment method company. So I was looking for another way to get rid of the bugs and take care of the problems without using chemicals. And so um, that's part of the book also. It's actually a very big part of the book. And you know, fighting with people. You know, when you're a parent, you fight for your children. Boy, you fight with all your might because, you know, who's who else is there to protect and take care of your kids but you as a parent? That's part of your job. And parents, I hope you're doing that because there's a lot to fight for right now in the schools and just everything that they're telling us we've got to do with our children. I think about my grandkids right now and I'm, I'm just, um, I don't know, I'm uneasy. I'm very uneasy. And I feel like grandparents we need to have a voice don't just let your parents do this alone you need to get in there and do it you know and the parents can be there but grandparents come on we got a little more time on our hands I think so let's get out there and fight for our grandkids okay so without that being said um, that isn't even what I was going to talk about today so I'll get right into this six areas of life where successful leaders practice self-discipline how important is it for us to have self-discipline and when you're around people that don't have self-discipline how does it affect you Yeah, I know it affects me and I get annoyed. I get annoyed when people don't have filters or correct filters. It's really annoying. So this is by Rick Warren. High achievers usually have one obvious thing in common, personal discipline. Successful people are willing to do things that most people are unwilling to do. As the pastor of Saddleback Church, I've had the privilege of meeting some of Orange County's most successful business leaders. I've observed that successful people express self-discipline in six key ways. This is so good. Now, whether you're a business owner or you just want to be a successful person, you know, any area of your life, if you think about this, it can affect your personal life. Are you successful in your personal life, in your personal relationships? This all applies. It's not just for business. So understand that. It parallels. It overlaps. Number one, successful people master their moods. Is that only for business? I don't think so. I think all of us need to master our moods. Do you have a mood? Would you be considered moody? Um, hmm, I don't know. Only you know. And those that you deal with because they have to put up with you. So they would know. Ask them. They live by their commitments, not their emotions, people who do the right thing even when they don't feel like it accomplish most of what gets done in the world. A man without self-control is as defenseless as a city with broken down walls. Proverbs 25:28. Number 2, successful people watch their words. This is big for me. I mean, I'm I'm crazy about my words. I I'm very clear and cautious about the words. And sometimes I'll hear words come out of my mouth. And I have to correct my words, because I'm stating something that I don't want to happen. And I don't want that I want to speak what before what it is, I want to speak it. Okay. So if you have a child that's having issues, you want to speak something else, what you want to have happen, you speak those things over them to where they want to reach that they want to reach that word, they want to reach that type of person. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's Uh, really amazing. But our words are so powerful, so powerful. And the biggest word, the most powerful word on this earth, do you know what it is? It's Jesus. It's the most powerful word that you can ever say. And I don't mean like smash your thumb and say Jesus. I mean, Jesus. You know, speak the name of Jesus, the power of of the word, power of his name. They put their minds in gear before opening their mouths. Ooh. They put their minds in gear before opening their mouths. He who guards his lips guards his life. Proverbs 13.3 Does somebody come to mind right now when you think about this? Where you think, boy, that person really needs to hear that? Here's another thing that happened. In driving driving with a girlfriend and we're talking and all of a sudden um, I'm, I'm talking about something and this person interrupts me and I'm frustrated because I felt like I wasn't listened to. I felt devalued. And I realized a long time ago, I've said this before, that whenever somebody does something that annoys you, are you with me so far? If you're with somebody and they do something that you go, oh, that's annoying. Can you think of something right now? Do me a favor and do yourself a favor and do an evaluation of yourself. And ask yourself or ask friends or family that are close to you that love you in loving kindness. Ask them if you do that. Ask yourself if you've ever done that. Because in this moment, I had an aha moment that I had to thank my friend for making me more aware that I interrupt. I don't mean to. It's not on purpose. But sometimes I will interrupt because my mind is thinking very fast, and I'll um, get ahead of whatever's going on. And I realized in that moment that what was annoying me from this other person was something that I do. It's a trait I have. So I quickly thanked her for making me aware that I'm I'm upsetting people and making them feel, maybe, whatever they're feeling, I know what I felt. But maybe I'm making them feel less important. Maybe b- by me doing that, I'm making them feel not valued or what they have to say is important. I know I do this. My son's actually pointed it out a couple times to me. And I'm like, I don't mean to do it. It's just, I'm not thinking. And I'm not excusing myself because it's not okay. But isn't it wonderful that I can expose myself like this on radio and say, whoops, you know, I'm not perfect and God's not done with me yet. And the reason I'm saying that is because he's not done with you yet either. And there are things within you that you could maybe evaluate and say, gosh, maybe it'd be nicer If I did this instead of that, or if something annoying happens from somebody else, you can do an evaluation and find out if it's something that you might do. And if it is, you have a decision to make on whether you're going to do something about it or not. It's all up to you, right? But it's good that we can do that. And I know for me, and I don't know about you because it's your choice, but for me, I evaluate because I want to be better today than I was yesterday. And I want to be better tomorrow than I am today. And we each have a choice in that too, don't we? So number three, successful people restrain their reactions. Whew, that's really good. How much can you take before you lose your cool? Unfortunately, a lot of potential influence can be cut short by a short temper. This is so true. This just happened two days ago for me. Somebody sent me a very heartfelt angry, upsetting, hurtful text. And I, man, right away, my fingers started typing. And what about and I I, I typed this text. But I'm proud of myself because you know why it was okay for me to go that far, because it didn't go anywhere. Now, if I would have pushed send, I would have affected a relationship in the wrong way. And it would have been really hard to gain that back. And so I left it there in the draft and didn't push send. And I went to bed. I was hurt by the text, very hurt. But I didn't send it. And the next morning, I rewrote it, thinking it would be better the second time around. I rewrote the text. And again, it's still sitting in my draft. And it's been two days. Because my heart is, I want my relationships to flourish. I want my relationships to grow near to the Lord and to each other. And if that's my goal, then I have to be very careful every minute of every day on how I handle even this, even someone that is reacting. I hope that helps you. It's not... It's not for my gain here. It's just that I think that, you know, I'm, I'm just sharing with you things that are happening in my life and that I'm thinking, I feel I'm, I'm happier about myself because I was able to unload it and type it and reread it. And even though I feel totally in the right, totally in the right, it's not going to get the result. It's not going to create what I want. So looking at that end game, looking at the goal at the end of this whole life, from that old lady in that letter, looking at it from that standpoint. I'm saying, is it really is this the necessary thing that I do? or would it be better to find a time, time means everything right? That's what they say. To find a time to go through the text with this person and ask them to explain themselves to get to gain understanding, To hopefully dig deeper and be more intimate in our relationship. To grow together. Wouldn't that be a better outcome than me slam dunking? Even if I'm right. Is it about being right? That's for each of us to decide for ourselves. I know what my end game is. I know what my goal is. Do you know what yours is? And does it affect your reactions or your goals and your decision making? And if it, if you don't have one, maybe that's where you should start if you want to start. Maybe that would be helpful for you. Successful people stick to their schedule. Boy, this is not so easy. It's not easy to stick to a schedule because things happen. But it is really important that we stick to a schedule. If you don't determine how you will spend your time, you can be sure that others will decide for you. Isn't that the truth? When you lead a church that grows in size, you will be inevitably pulled in a multitude of directions. You'll have to become a great steward of time to be successful in life. Live life then with a due sense of responsibility. Make the best use of your time. Ephesians 5, 15, 16. We only have so many hours in the day, and we only have so many days in our life. How are you spending yours? It's a tough question, but if you figured you're going to live till whatever, and you figured out how many days that is, it kind of puts things in perspective for you. What are you waiting for? We don't have that much time. It's like a blink of an eye. So what are you doing with yours? Five, successful people manage their money. My garage selling is great. I just have to have some boundaries on do I really need that? Or is there somebody I could give that to as a gift to warm up their day? Um, But if it's just to get it to get it, maybe I need to put some restraint on myself. So... They learn to live on less than what they make, and they invest the difference into savings and give to causes that matter. The value of a budget is that it tells your money where you want it to go rather than wondering where it went. I love that. Isn't that great? That is so great. The wise man saves for the future, but the foolish man spends whatever he gets. Proverbs 21 20. Where are you in your finances? Ask yourself that question. How much money do you carry around with you? I'm going to give you a little helpful hint. If you can, put $100 in your wallet. Always have $100 in your wallet. I suggest you do it. I don't have an ATM card. But I was told this uh, many, many years ago. I mean, probably 30 years ago. I was told this. And I have to tell you, there's only been two times in my life in that, in that 30 years that I've needed to use to pull that $100 out because of this or that. But you know what's nice is knowing that it's there. I know it's there if needed, but I don't just use it to use it. Now, some people don't want to have that in there because if it's there, they're going to spend it. Now, that's an issue. That's an issue because we have to have self-control. Do you have self-control? So you have to manage your money. And you you have to live below your means. You know, you, you don't have to live up to whatever. It's like buying a big purse and filling it. So you buy a smaller purse so you don't have so much to carry. How about just not putting so much in your purse? We don't always have to fill it. Like my garage right now. It's pretty full. And I'm thinking, I don't need all this stuff. So I need to have a garage sale. And I'm going to. So number six, successful people maintain their health. Oh, huh. you know, if you don't have your health, you don't have a life, really, you, your lifestyle is messed up. Um, people wait until they're older to go on vacations. They work, 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 work. Is this you? Work, 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 work. And then your health starts to dwindle. And then you can't even enjoy the money that you've made. And all that time you put aside thinking later, you're going to do it later, you're going to take that vacation later, you're gonna know, we need to be doing these things now. Enjoy life now. Now I'm not saying spend, spend, spend and don't have any money to eat. That's not what I'm saying. So don't say I said that because I didn't say that. I'm just saying life is short, and that we have to take care of our health. So if you smoke, stop. If you're overweight, make a decision. And I I don't really like the word diet. I don't I don't like diet. I like the word. Um, it's just a different, it's self-control, but it's also just a quality of food. You know, I, I look at what I'm eating every day and I'll say, is that good for me? If it's not, is it worth it? I ask that. And I also say a moment on the lips, a lifetime on the hips. And do I really want that? But my biggest one is, is it worth it? Because the taste has to be enough to be worth the calories. Anyway, so... But health is more than that. Are you, are you going to uh, the doctors doing physicals? Are you paying attention to your body? Is your body telling you something and you're not taking care of it? I have a toothache right now. And I have to tell you, I waited way too long. The tooth is cracked and it's now infected in my jaw. And I'm in pain all the time. So I'm going to get it fixed. But I had to wait till it got to this point. I shouldn't have. I should have done it before now. Should have, would have, could have. Okay, so successful people maintain their health. They form habits in their eating and activities that keep their energy level up, help them last through stressful seasons in good health. That way they can accomplish more and enjoy their achievements. Every one of you should learn to control his own body, keeping it pure and treating it with respect. That's 1 Thessalonians 4.4. 4. It's telling you you need to learn control and to keep your body pure and treat it with respect. Every one of you should learn to control his own body, keeping it pure and treating it with respect. Are you understanding what that's saying right there? That's 1 Thessalonians 4.4. Where do you need to develop self-control? What areas in your life right now do you need to develop self-control? The disciplines you establish today will determine your success tomorrow. But it takes more than just willpower to produce lasting self-control. It takes a power greater than yourself my girlfriend Lisa's birthday today and she's quitting smoking. And so we need to be praying for that too. We need to have his power over it to ensure that it it, it happens. I you know, I, I bit my nails for fifty years. It took me fifty years to stop this ugly, awful, dreadful habit. But I finally did it. So that if if I can do that, then you guys there's no excuse. You can, you can change a habit. You can really do it. You can. If I can do it after 50 years, you can do it. The more you accept God's control over your life, the more self-control he gives you. That's really interesting, because I say that about disciplining our children, is that I used to tell Tiana and Tyson, I used to say to them, um, you know, Tiana goes, well, you're, you're just judging me against or against Tyson. And I said, Well, okay, that's true. But I said, You know, when I give you um, a curfew, you call me or you you come in on your curfew. Therefore, I can let your rain out. My son would come to me and say, Why does she have more privilege than I do? Why does she get to go? And why does she get to stay out? You know, whatever. And I said, Because, she's created this trust with me that I know that she's where she's supposed to be and she's going to call me and not make me worry, worry, worry. So look, when you can start doing that and being considerate and and calling me and letting me know you're going to be late and not making me worry, then we can talk about, you know, you having a, a different curfew. But until then, your curfew is this time and Tiana's is this time. And Tiana was two years younger, so that kind of hurt. But It's what needed to happen because of consequences, natural consequences for actions, parents. We need to be doing that. So just understand that. So New Testament Bible verses about hard work and discipline. Here's one for you. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven, Matthew 5.16. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. How many of you need to hear that right now? That's Matthew eleven twenty eight. I love that verse, and that verse really helps me. Because how many of us right now feel heavy laden? And how many of us need to feel rest? It just seems like it's getting busier and busier. And here we're coming into what season? And what what is happening? I was just looking at my calendar and I'm like, OK, where's everybody going for Thanksgiving? Where's everybody going to go for Christmas? Because we have traditions and those family traditions are very, very important to me. And they are for our children, too. My daughter calls me up and says, hey, mom, I want to take the grandkids to the pumpkin patch. When do you want to go? Because Deanna and Tyson, we've been going to that pumpkin, same pumpkin patch since Tyson was two and he's 39. <laughs> it's awesome that my daughter now wants to carry out that tradition with her children, and she wants to include, include grandma, so we go and have photo op, and it's just wonderful time, and I just was in peace and so in love with my little Dakota, who was, at that time, two and a half months, I think, she's almost three now, but I held her in my arms, she fell asleep in my arms, she was a little bit cranky, but I didn't lose, I haven't lost my touch, because she fell asleep in my arms, and it was just, I was just sitting there, rocking her next to the horses and the, all the animals, Well, Montana was going down a slide. And I was just having this little conversation with my Lord. And I just said, thank you, God. All those grandparents that told me how wonderful it is to be a grandparent, I didn't understand it. I just didn't understand how beautiful and wonderful it is. And then here I am with this little one that he created and came out of my child. This baby came out of my child that was in my womb. And it's just amazing when you think about what a miracle that is. And I just thank the Lord, and I just want to be there and influence and encourage. So listen, that's what we're here for, right? Be a blessing to someone each and every day. God bless you. Until next week, bye for now.
0: Ah, It's a time of the year when